Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. We are back with another episode. And if you don't recognize my voice, I am clearly not Gianni Russo. I am Megan Horan. No, that is definitely not. So, um, yeah, I'm here with Gianni and Pat. Tell you, you're also a hell of a lot prettier than Gianni. (laughs) Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, no, it's it's, it's funny. You know, we're, we're so fortunate to have you. We never really give you the opportunity we just jump in as we always do yeah right so uh, let's let's dedicate this show to something you want to talk about right so you know we're always talking about wise guys tough guys a lot of men and obviously we have talked a little bit about marilyn monroe a lot about marilyn monroe and so i thought we would get a little bit more into the women that have been in your life and so judy garland obviously we read about her in the book and I didn't realize that she had a famous daughter. Well, yes, she does, Liza Minnelli. But what's interesting about what what do you know about Judy Garland? That, that oh, I mean, to... from my childhood, The Wizard of Oz was oh was God, even yeah, huge yeah. when I was when I was little. So I think I'm the only person classic. that never saw The Wizard of Oz. Really? You never saw the you never saw The Wizard of Oz? No, I mean, I my my think about my childhood. I never had a television. Hey, That's it's true. on every year. You call yourself an American? Come on, get with it. Man. <laughs> The first Technicolor movie. It was huge. Yeah, 1939. That wasn't me, though. It wasn't there. I'd be. I'm the guy that went to the theater to watch gangster movies, not Wizard of Oz. By that time, I'm in my teens. I didn't watch the Wizard of Oz. Don't think I'm some funok. In fact, the only reason it didn't win an Academy Award in 39 was because it was up against Gone with the Wind. That's oh. wild. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's, either. That's great trivia, man. There's Gone a little trivia wind, for you. Yeah. Okay, I've done my job. Have a good night. <laughs> Gone with the wind. All right. Jesus. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, mentioning Judy Garland, uh, my friend uh, Jimmy Mack as a, uh, was going out with her. He was a, a little younger than her, but she was going out with all kinds of male models and all that. And, and um, we went home with her one night after one of our big parties and opening somewhere, and she had this big armful of roses. Where did she live, Johnny? She lived on 72nd Street. In fact, she lived in the same building that Sinatra kept an apartment in for a long time. Well, I was in Yorkville, right? Yeah, right, right, right at the yeah. uh, right on the East uh, East River Drive. Yeah, and um, it's uh, it's still there. In fact, uh, if uh, our listeners go to iTunes. And look up Sinatra's apartment. I did a, a, a party there about, I would say, three or four years ago for sale. And we did a cocktail party. And uh, I was singing My Way and doing all this. And they had all these bidders there. That, and uh, I forgot what real estate people wanted me to do. And I did it as a favor to them. Could have been Dottie Herman because she's with Douglas Edelman. But um, the, the apartment's three stories. And it's not going to be sell, you know, because it's millions of dollars. But I remember in that same building going home with Judy Garland and me being a gentleman, Jimmy Mack and all of us, we helped to carry the roses. That's how many roses she had. Wow. And she sent one of us, or both of us, down the street to go get eggs. And the sun's coming up. So we went and got the eggs. We came back, and she's in the kitchen. And when we got back with the eggs, she's cutting the rose petals off the roses. 
Hmm. And she's got oil and garlic in a big skillet. And she's, she's got the eggs. She's scrambling all these eggs. And she makes a frittata or an omelet for people who are not Italian <laughs> with the rose petals. Hmm. And I said, what are you doing? She said, anything that smells and looks so pretty has to taste good. So, uh, I mean, for a minute, I got caught off guard. And like a wacko, because we were drunk anyway, <laughs> we ate this frittata. I never had another one, believe me. But we ate this. And, and why am I bringing it up? It's, it's, this little girl came in. I was like maybe only 17, 18. And this little girl came into the room. And it was her daughter, Liza. And a brother, Joey, which nobody talks about, Joey Manelli. And uh, later on, as you, you just pointed out, Liza became so famous. And uh, I met her in a very strange way. She was working for a guy called Eddie Torres, a friend of mine from Detroit. And they were running the, the Riviera Hotel. She was on stage. And, you know, it, it, I mean, she's such a talent. So, Eddie Torres, was that the old Purple Gang? Uh, exactly, exactly. Oh, right. Yeah. Eddie Torres, they, they, well, most people don't realize Vegas was chopped up after Bugsy Siegel because a lot of the, the mob lost money. So to get their money back, their investments, they chopped up territories, but all in Vegas. Hmm. So like uh, Raymond Petriaca, he had the Dunes Hotel. Chicago had the Sands Hotel. Detroit had what he just said, the Purple Gang. They, they had uh, the Riviera Hotel, Eddie Torres ran that. But that's how it was divided, and that's why there was never any problems there. Mm. You can never settle a dispute in the city. I mean, take him out to Lake Mead, <laughs> Valley of Fire or something Never else. see him again. Never see him again. <laughs> yeah, right. So she was there, and I, was, I definitely wanted to go. And I went, and then we became friends. And, she, and this is when Vegas had stars in every showroom, two shows a night. Every um, you go up the strip on the bill on Las Vegas Boulevard, every billboard had names you recognized. Huge names. Huge names. Mm -hmm. And so I got to be friends with her. So one time she called me because she had my number, and uh, she said, "You got to do me a favor." That's what. She said, "But well, I, you know, I got involved with this guy, and he, I can't get rid of him." I said, why? She said, well, his father's well-known, and he knows me, and we know, everybody knows each other. I said, who is it? She said, Eddie Albert. She got engaged to this kid, Eddie Albert, and his father was, you know, Eddie Albert Sr., He's this was junior. Mm -hmm. I said, what do you want me to do? She said, well, you know, you, you come to my show tonight. You be my guest. I said, you don't have to be your guest. I'm everybody's guest. <laughs> <laughs> and I was. I always had a ringside table if I made a reservation. So she said, well, Get your normal table. I'll find you in the audience, and I'm going to sing to you all night long. I said, "What's the idea?" She said, "I got to get rid of this guy." He, I, I tried to be nice, tell him I don't, I'm not interested. It's not going to work out, and we should forget about it. It was a whirlwind weekend they had together, and I don't know if they got engaged or didn't. Pat, stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best. I love you. <laughs> He's like having a delinquent kid. <laughs> a couple of scraps left. I couldn't let it go to waste. <laughs> so anyway. I'm like a dog. And, 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 and here I am. I love that plate. It looks like a dog dish. Anyway. Uh, it is a dog dish. <laughs> so anyway, the show, she comes on, you know, and she's singing these songs to me. And this guy's like, you know, 
two tables away from me, and he's like hysterical almost. So the show ended, and she said, maybe he'll come over to you. I wasn't going to wait for this evening to come over to me. The show ended, and I went over to him. And I said, listen, my name is Johnny Russo. But she introduced me, saying, it's Johnny Russo from The Godfather. Mm. And uh, I think that alone was enough for him to leave. Right. But I said, listen, she's with me now. I know you keep calling her and harassing her. You came down here. She told you not to come to Nevada. And I said, I think you're better off you leave. And I never saw the guy again. But her the guy burst into tears, right? Oh, yeah, he cried. He was crying. I felt oh my bad for the gosh. kid. No, he was really hurt. And he, yeah. he fell in love with her. I guess, I don't know. But anyway, so now we, we become really close friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, even before that, so we go out, which we always did. After her second show, we went right across the street because across the street was the Stardust Hotel and the Starlight Lounge had acts until five in the morning. And we go there, and Frankie Bella was the maitre d', and I always get tables whatever I want. And we're sitting ringside, and the the show was called The Bear Touch of Vegas. It was amazing. Now, I hope I don't bust your bubble of your little Liza Minnelli that you love as a starlet. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and one of the feature acts, this girl comes out of the ceiling on a, like a rope, and she's in a, a leopard skin suit. Hmm. And a body I've never seen in my life comes down, as like a cobra coming down. And Liza and I both look at each other and said, we gotta have this. And I said, oh my God, I love it. So, spinning forward, I always had the, uh, the bridal suite with my friend Nick Nitty at the Stardust Hotel. We brought a lot of business there, or he did. He brought a lot of business to that hotel. So we always checked in. We had the bridal suite, which most people, I used to look in the morning when we'd come out. Well, we never got up in the morning. But whenever we left the suite, people were in the hallway. They looked at us, too, coming out of <laughs> the bridal suite. So we have this party upstairs. And, uh, you know, we had, I mean, we had all kinds of room service. And we invited the cast of the Bear Touch of Vegas. Now, the sun's coming up. So we have eggs and all of this and that. And uh, I think the three of us were in that suite until Liza had to go to her showroom and this girl had to go downstairs too. I mean, it was insane until like early evening that next night of just partying with all these girls. It was, but I love Liza more then than ever then. Oh. You, let a, you let a tough life, Johnny. And we got to hang out with her tomorrow. And I tell you. No, but... Uh, so uh, what? You three were an item, or what? Yeah, for a while actually, because you know we. Uh, well, you know, the good news about me, I I was there in and out of Vegas, you know, once a week. These acts would reappear every two or three months. They weren't there every month because you know Dean was at the that hotel. So was Don Rickles at the Riviera. So you know it was nice having friends that came every three months. And it was a whole new clean slate of people. Mm-hmm. But to give me a, a, a tremendous opportunity to just, uh, I guess, test the waters of so many starlets that I had the privilege of being around. Mm. But, uh, but Liza, her talent is amazing. I mean, even to now. And I, I don't know why it, she backed down from performing. And I, I, there was a rumor she was sick. I don't know. I, I saw her recently in Cipriani's on Fifth Avenue. And she looked the same, but uh, 
after that crazy wedding, I don't know about that wedding you heard that she had. Who was that guy she married, Pat? Uh, yeah, a friend, something like that. Yeah, and the, and the he just passed away. Oh, did he? Yeah, he died a couple months ago. And he was gay. Yeah, and, he was gay. And I found I, he, he was very gay. Yeah, but there was a yeah. rumor that they they arranged this marriage and why and sold all the pictures and everything else. Oh, for the money? Yeah, I mean, that's, there was a rumor that both of them needed cash. Wow. And everybody contributed the mar- the, the wedding. It's a hell of a way to do it. Most most people buy lottery tickets. They get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, a lottery. You're safer getting married, I think, than winning the lottery. I guess. <laughs> yeah. you, you get married, you lose the lottery. Yeah. yeah. But he, and Liza came to Chicago with me. When I was at the Blue Max room, she, she was appearing downtown. She closed and wound up staying there and filled my house every night. Because one night Sammy Davis got on stage with me at the Blue Max room, and then the next night Liza, and then Liza didn't want to go anywhere. She had nowhere to go, like a week off. So we got her a suite and she stayed. But everybody not came to see me anymore. And they knew Liza Minnelli was on stage too. Oh so gosh. for my, the price of me, they got her too. But she was how a good about, friend. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm good. I so said, how about the food, uh, the, the food fight at the OK Corral? Oh my God! Like I said, you know that's the, a legend. The, the celebrities. Like I said, come and go. And uh, Dion Warwick, who I was involved with managing her for like 15 years, and uh, a lot of the celebrities didn't want to stay in the hotels. So they made an investment buying a house, like Dion bought a house on the the, uh, Sahara Golf Course. Hmm. And they would lease it back to the hotels when they weren't there for other celebrities to stay. And they, you know, they had maids from the hotel come by, and food, everything was that was that close to them because mm-hmm. the Sahara was right behind, was right on Desert and Road, the golf course. It was, it was like, you know, maybe two blocks from the Riviera. So Dion, I mean Dion, Liza was there, and we're, we're again we're at the Stardust Hotel. It's funny, we used to go there because right across the street, and we're all talking and we're. We're challenging each other about food and who knows how to cook and who doesn't. And there was a crew of us sitting there. And she made the statement of saying, she makes the best fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> I said, well, who told oh, you that? Oh, that's a challenge, man. She said, I said, who told you that? She said, well, I was told by everybody. I said, well, you, maybe your French don't know how to, you know, don't have good taste buds. <laughs> so she said, why, you can make better? I said, not only can I make better, but I got involved early on and I, was on my boat and I started going to different restaurants and just if I enjoyed the di- the dinner I'd come back the next day and ask if I could you know assist the chef and they knew who I was from the movie and the size of my boat and so I became after maybe a year on this boat I did this mm. I went my I flew Spanish flags so I was all through Spain France and Italy so when I got to Rome, my friend Alfredo of Rome, he was the saucier at the Cordon Bleu. Invented it. Yeah, he invented Alfredo what? sauce. What? Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I mean, named right, after somebody. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but not only that, if you went there and he knew you, he had gold fork and spoons. Oh, my. And if you had them, it was like a big thing. And the wall was enamored by every everybody you could think of, presidents, and went to Alfredo's. So he taught me his sauce. Oh my gosh. Which was only four ingredients. So I figured I'm gonna I'll win this. 
So we make some stupid bet, and I had my driver take her to go grocery shopping because I didn't want to go in because the same supermarket that was your ingredients. And we both go shopping different places. The good news, Vegas, the stores stay open 24 hours a day, the grocery stores. Mm. So now we go home, it's like three or four o'clock in the morning already. And this is this is in Dion Warwick's house. This is in Dion Warwick's house. Oh. She's staying there, you know, because the hotel got it for her. Now, I, let me paint the picture for you. Dion Warwick is you know, a very stylish woman. She had a dining room with pink and lavender flock foil wallpaper. <laughs> Mm. with velvet curtains, chandelier. I mean, it was all these interesting colors that a woman should have. Mm -hmm. So we're in the kitchen. I'm on one side. Liza's on the other side. The only thing we're doing together is boiling the water. So what what was this going to be, like a blind taste test for your guests or what? Yeah, it was a blind taste test. We took like Nick Nitty and a a lot of uh, uh, Gene Cimarelli, some other other friends, uh, uh, Bobby Miranda from the Riviera. And I think Eliza was the only girl, or maybe another girl. And so we marked the plates, L or G. Mm-hmm. And you on the bottom. On the bottom, and both got two plates. And they, they, the maid delivered them, and you tasted them. And then we had, you know, because we made, you know, I was on one side of the table, she was at the other end of the table. And we had an extra portion of everybody because this was just taste mm-hmm. so we made a fettuccine you, you know it really nice. goes a long way and it's very heavy so I had my big bowl she had a bowl in front of her and everybody tasted and then they said okay and they, they, they would just say well, I like this one here and they lift it up and my name was on it <laughs> and it went around the table lifted it up and we didn't put them on the left or the right right it was, it was random no pattern. mix them up and by the time it went down there I, I won the majority, the mass majority. Mm. Well, she got so pissed. She gets a, 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 like snow. She used the fettuccine in front of her and made a snowball <laughs> and threw it at me. Now, I'm wearing Brioni even back then. You ain't hitting me with nothing. Uh-uh. I ducked and went past me. So now I get one and I throw it at her. Next, we open the, everybody. We have food a free fight. focus. The, the food fight, because they had stuff in front of them, we destroyed this house. Oh my gosh. And that's why I wanted to set it up. The flock and foil and the fettuccine sauce just stuck like crazy glue to it. Oh. The chandelier. The, when we left there, the next day, Eddie Torres calls me and he says, Gianni. What the hell happened? What the hell happened? Because <laughs> everybody went home or went to bed upstairs and right. did whatever they did. And the people would come like they did every day and clean. So he calls me and he says, man, I don't know what we're going to do. He says, we don't own that house. That's Dion Warwick's house. And I, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't stop managing Dion yet, oh. which was funny because I told her the story later on. And he said, I don't know what kind of damage. And she's coming in about three weeks. I said, I don't, probably it's all aesthetic, you know, wallpaper and all that. So long, long story short, the damage was $15,000. Oh my gosh. And I think Liza was making like 50000 at the time. So I was going to pay for this. I, my, my middle name is crime. I don't pay. <laughs> and so I call Liza and she's, they moved her out of the house actually. They moved her into the hotel suite. Oh man. 
So she says, what are we going to do? I said, what do you mean we? <laughs> she said, the house is destroyed. I said, what are they telling you? She's about fourteen or 15000 I said, really? Hey, write him a check. That's what I told her. No, I did one better. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't because I'm not my gentleman. I didn't say yeah. I was not going to pay. Mm -hmm. I just got Eddie Tories. I said, Eddie, what is she making? That's how I knew what she was making. I said, take it out of a paycheck. And mm. he did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so when she gets a paycheck or a manager gets the check, she thought I took care of it. I didn't take care of it. <laughs> so it was like, you know, by the time they got the paycheck or whatever it was, she called me up. She said, didn't you take care of that? I said, no, I thought you did. She said, they took it out of my paycheck. I said, ah, what does it care of? You know, what does that mean to you, 15000 so I can't sing another it. couple of songs. Yeah, hello. Oh, and she, and she, oh, she, just, she just did the, I mean, she had so many hits and, she did the movie with De Niro, New York, New York. Well, I mean, she was a big star. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Pat. I forgot about that story. It was so insane. That's so They're probably funny. still talking about that in Vegas. They have to be. Oh, I mean, well, my stories in Vegas, there's a lot of them talking about it, a lot of things <laughs> we did. I mean, I, I that was so crazy in Vegas, my God. Fun town, though. Not now, though. Now it's so ugly. I mean, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, that's when, I, well, I left in 89. Mm. I was there, I was in, in, in and out of there for 30 years. What I saw go on in that town, because, you know, I was like the eyes and ears of Mr. Costello, and that's when he owned, yet yeah, he still owned the Tropicana with Joe Kennedy. Oh, wow. Oh, I mean, he's got, I mean, they, they had some, some properties that were amazing. Wow. And I'm he, thinking second book here. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you know, the interesting thing, talk about the Tropicana Hotel, uh, he, he knew I was getting bored, doing nothing. I said, you know, and that's when all the clubs were opening, you know, they had the Studio 54 and all that. I said, why don't we open a club here in your hotel? He said, go ahead. Just like that. I said, okay. So I, I met with people that were running the hotel, the general manager and all that. And I picked a space right off the casino and uh, I called the Tiffany's. And I got the, I copied the Tiffany's guards uniforms. We put bank a bank a bank just went broke D downtown. They were changing or remodeling, so we went and got salvaged all the bank vaults, the gates, and all that. Mm -hmm. And I put it on the front of the of that place. And the, all of the, the uh, cocktail tables, we had them glass topped, and put a showcase of fake jewelry in all of them. And we called it Tiffany's, like the jewelry store. Copied the sign and the and the guards at the door, and we opened it called Tiffany's. So I really wanted to make a, a big splash, and it's, it's probably in, you can get the newspapers. They, I mean, so I got Elvis to open it for me oh at midnight, and it was an, a, 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 an instant hit. It wasn't a big place. It's not like eighty people with a dance floor and very intimate. And then I made a deal with all the kitchens and the restaurants in Tropicana that at the end of the night, they would prepare just finger food for me. And they said, why would we do that? I said, I'm gonna tell you why. Because all this food, you're gonna charge it off to me as publicity, and the house is gonna write it off for their income tax. So if they had extra steaks at the end or stuff was shelf life of three or four days, mm -hmm. they'd make all this food. And I came up with this idea where you only paid for your drinks. 
<laughs> and I made everything seven dollars. If you want a glass of water, seven dollars. Cup of coffee. You want a Jack Daniels. You want Crown Royal, seven dollars. But the food was given to you, so we could actually say it was for a promotion. Well, with all the celebrities and the food, you couldn't get it. There was lines outside. Wow. But then I, Pat, you're going to love this one. Then I realized the action I was bringing into the casino late at night because my club was open from midnight to six in the morning only. Six hours, only three days a week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Because, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays in Vegas, there's really not that many people or they're convention people. They're mm -hmm. not going to go to the hill. They'd probably go to the club and have a drink and go to bed because they got to go to convention. So I operated Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which gave me the freedom to do what I wanted the other days. But I was making so much money, and the drop, because I knew the drop, because I was in the count room, I watched the increase of the drop in the casinos went up those three days during those time periods. Mm. So I'm with Costello in New York. I said, you know, I said, you're realizing the, the drop is a lot bigger after midnight. Yeah, it's amazing. That club is doing really good for you. I said, well, you know, I said, I never asked you for anything, but maybe I can get 10% of the increase of the drop. And he gave it to me. I can't believe oh, it. Oh, my goodness. I, mean, it was, I always make more money than anybody's clubs anywhere. Wow. Even How long did you have that club, Johnny? I, I actually ran that club for about two, three years, and, and then I just got bored with it. And then they sold the hotel, and I was gone. Mm. But... Uh, it was fun club. I tell you, I know. I, it was in the seventies. I know that it was in the seventies. Right after I, right, I think, probably seventy two or seventy three, before I came up with the idea of building the, the Renaissance Hotel, and then uh, then I did the uh, Johnny Russo State Street, which was a bigger legend, because when I opened that club, I called on three friends of mine to open that club with Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, and Dean Martin. Oh my goodness. And the people, the people. That draws everybody. Yeah. That was insane, insane. It was crazy and everybody, even the, the mayor, Oscar Goodman called me and he said, I didn't get my invitation yet. I said, to what? He said, to the opening. <laughs> I said, to the opening. <laughs> I said, I mean, we're selling the tickets. He said, but I'm the mayor and I had to, I had to bring him and the governor. I remember that both of them called me. I had to let them in because, you know, they control the sound. But, right. yeah. no, it was in, an instant success. And That's that was awesome. no small club. That club was huge. Because hmm. I had, I sat 380 people for dinner. And that was before I opened the casino next door. I had a disco and a bar lounge with a piano player and quartet. So that place was a hot place. That, wow. that lasted nine years. I opened that in 80, closing in 89. I had a, an, an incident with one of Pablo Escobar's friends. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, that was, uh, but Vegas was such a, a great town to live in. I mean, and there was so much entertainment constantly. Of course. And th that's what made the town. Now, when they started replacing all the lounges with slot machines, because mm -hmm. the money was, you know, bigger, and then they started allowing kids in. They actually had lines. The color of carpet they changed. Where if you're on this side of the carpet, you can have a baby carriage. Who the hell wants to go gambling? I remember when I got to Vegas, they had you had wore tuxedos on Saturday night, mm -hmm. and now it's like flip flops and shorts. It was like <laughs> insane. No, it's changed. But uh, any other stars you want to talk about? Well, yeah, I, you know what? I, oh, I'm sorry, Megan. No, go, go ahead. ahead, Pat. Go ahead. 
we had once uh, I talked about uh, a comedian whose name I'm 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 getting a I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, you and he wound up uh, going airborne in a car and landing in a, uh, I think in in in, uh, in oh Shecky Green. Shecky Green. Oh, it's I Shecky love Green story. Yeah, Shecky uh, was an out and out drunk man. Well, he was he was a big comic in his time. Oh my God, he was huge. He, he's still around. I know he's. I can't believe it. Like 106. I, somebody, I mean, the guy's got to be ancient. Yeah, it was so funny. You know, it's it's funny how we, I first met Shecky Green wasn't in Vegas. I met him in Florida. This was funny because we were the Fountain Blue Sinatra was there all the time, and Shecky was the headliner at the Eden Rock, and in the lounge down the street, lounge, not main showroom, at the Deauville Hotel, was Don Rickles, who was just coming up. Mm-hmm. And Sinatra, I loved this guy. Until the day he died, he loved Don Rickles. Nobody knew why. Rickles could insult him. Oh, everything. That's why No one else could. But the interesting thing is, that's how we got to it. He heard about this guy, and he was friends of friends of ours. I mean, uh, Joe Scandori, his brother was a connected guy out of Brooklyn, and he was the manager to them. And, uh, and, uh, he said, go see this guy. He's an up-and-coming comic. And, and and just to give you a little background, to look at Don Rickles, and we all know what he looks like now, I think the world does, he lived with his mother until he was 37. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow. And he's not an attractive man, but he's no, very true. funny. And he, he broke in up in the Catskills, what they call the Bosch belt, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. But he was hysterical. So we go there one night, and, you know, it's, you know, place is packed because you know this is late night Miami Beach. You know, mm-hmm. like two or three o'clock. That's late down there. And we go there, and we walk in, and he gets the maitre d' sends a message to gay men, and not me, but got mm-hmm. the message, and it was you know Sinatra's in the room. So he said, I can't believe it, uh, Frank Sinatra's in the room. Where is Frank? And he's looking from the stage because the lights were bothering him. And Frank stood up. And he says, you're so friggin' skinny, I can't even see you. <laughs> so that's when, that's when he came up with the name, the Skinny Guinea. Oh, my gosh. And when he first said it that night, the room was quiet. Ain't going right. to be trouble sure. here. Because they didn't know how Frank was going to react mm-hmm. to it. And Frank started laughing. So that became his thing. The Skinny Guinea's in the room every night. And then he, and even in Vegas, he'd say it to him. And then when he worked on the road, we used to call him that. But where we're going with this, Shecky Green was next door. So he picks up on it. So he starts calling Frank the Skinny Guinea. So Stay. he send a message mm-hmm. over to him. He says, you know, Frank heard you said this and don't do it anymore. Okay. And Shecky, you know, he has a couple of pops. He say anything. Mm-hmm. And it kept going on and on and on. That's how the story came, true story, that went on for years when he used to say on stage how Frank Sinatra saved his life. And the story went where after many weeks, you know, I don't know if it went on many weeks, maybe a week, that one night, leaving the the Eden Rock, three guys beat him up almost to death. And then he heard Frank say, that's enough. 
That's how Frank Sinatra saved, saved his, life. his life. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he, he used to tell that story, which really pissed off Frank. But that's, I mean, that's a true story. Oh, it's my God. Funny. 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 So I take it after that, he stopped calling him the skinny guinea. Oh, my God, did he ever. Well, he, he almost didn't work anymore in Vegas because, you know, Sinatra had that kind of control. But, uh, th- th- and another story that I think some people in, on the in crowd may know, which I thought was hysterical. We're, we're all in, in the, on the strip, and Don Rickles, as I said, was at the uh, Riviera doing two shows. Mm-hmm. And Frank, a lot of times, would come in a, a day early and go visit friends. So he was going to go to the first show, and they were all going to have dinner at the, at the Monte Carlo room. How do I remember these rooms? Oh my, I have exactly. no idea. The Monte Carlo room was like the gourmet room at the Riviera Hotel. So we go backstage before going to the dining room because it was like a two-hour break, and then the comic came on for an hour. So it was maybe two and a half hours after the eight o'clock show. Then you know, twelve o'clock show, you didn't. The starting go on like till twelve thirty quarter. Okay. So now I see them whispering, Frank Sinatra, to Dean, uh, to uh, Rickles, and there was a big table. So he said to him, he says, "I got some people." in the dining room. I'm going to be sitting with them first, and then I'll join you. He's frank, it would mean a lot to me if you came over to the table and just said hello to me. Mm. They, they can't believe I know you. <laughs> so he said, why not? I'll do it. No problem. So now, here everybody's coming in the room. You know, Don Rickles is sitting with those people. Because for Sinatra to walk through a casino may take... A half hour, right? You know, he says hello to everybody. Yeah. So he sees the he sees Don Rickles, and he walks over to the table, and Don looks up to him and says, "Frank, how many times I tell you don't bother me while I'm eating?" Frank, like you just did. <laughs> Megan's sitting there with her mouth open. My mouth just dropped. Frank is doing that too. <laughs> he couldn't. He caught. That's how nuts he was. He caught him such off guard. That story went around the world. Oh, that's my what he says goodness. to Sinatra. That's like, so <laughs> funny. Well, that's how crazy he was. I mean, <laughs> Don Rickles was a character until the day he guy. died. I mean, he was an amazing man, though. I mean, and such a humble guy. In my club, Sinatra pulled a, a, a thing on him because they, they used to call, and then they'd ask to talk to me. I said, "If ever you come and talk to me, mm-hmm. especially on busy nights." So his guy, uh, I forgot his name, Jimmy, uh, uh, his, his, his valet, he had called, he said, uh, called, the boss, he says, the boss wants to come in. Uh, he wants to take him near the fireplace. I said, somebody's sitting there tonight. He said, who is it? He said, I said, Paul Lank. He said, oh, okay. He says, uh, g- give him the table then, because the, he knows, he came with him. Mm-hmm. He knew where he liked to sit. So we went through the whole roster. It was like he had Sullivan show there that night. In fact, Paul Newman was there that night. So I had Paul Anka and Paul Newman. Then they had the Grand Prix at Caesar's Palace for a year or two, and he had his racing team there. So he had one section. So he said, well, give me the round table. I said, Frank's there. He's Frank who? I said, if you got to ask me that, you should come. <laughs> so now I used to sing in my club. I used to get on stage. It's in my club. I always, right. I always wanted to sing. And Frank Sinatra was my only singing teacher. So when he was there, I definitely got up and show off a little bit. <laughs> so Don Rickles comes in, and Frank has him join him at the table. So I don't know what's going on. I'm doing a couple of tunes. I get off, and I just get down. And he says, um, 
you know, Don Rickles really likes the way you sing. I said, get him, Don, thank you. No, he says, you're good, you're good, good. So Frank says, get me your phone, because I had phone jacks everywhere. Mm-hmm. So he came in, I said, get him a phone, and he dialed somebody's number. I don't know who he's calling, and he's on the other end, on the other end of the phone. He says, listen, I'm sitting here at State Street, Johnny's Club, with Don Rickles. He says, and Don really likes the way he sings. He says, here's what I want you to do. Do me a personal favor. And the other guy on the other line obviously must have said yes. He said, he's going to be Don's new opening act. I want him to be an opening act. Me. Wow. And I didn't want to leave my club to begin with. He said, he's going to be his new opening act. So wherever you have any influence, book him with Don. Give him like 2500 a week. Don Rickles almost fell off the floor. He's the cheapest guy in the whole world. He, <laughs> his opening act, maybe he was paying 500 Gosh. He was talking to Steve Wynn. <laughs> so I opened for Don Rickles, for Steve Wynn at the Golden Nugget. When he leaves the Riviera, that's his new contract. And I traveled all over with him. How I, long did you do that? Yeah, how long? I did it for a year. For about, yeah. you know, it was probably, uh, you know, the, the, uh, like the Riviera and all those things were two weeks. But Atlantic City was a weekend. Mm-hmm. So I'd go for it. I wanted to do it. I mean, my ego. Wow. And I'm opening act. It was like a half hour before. You know, I did my stuff. And then mm-hmm. I got off the stage. But I had so much fun with this guy. And one night, he calls me back on stage. Because everything was so, you know, pressed and always. Well, you, you guys know me by now. Yeah, you the clothes. Very, yeah. My clothes mean everything to me. Mm-hmm. So I finish my act, I'm, and he always did like a curtain call. Come on, Johnny, come back out here. Come back out here. Mm-hmm. There's this kid great and all this bullshit. This one night, <laughs> he says to me. The only time you'll ever hear modesty coming out of Johnny's yeah, right. mouth. Yeah, no, right. So now he says to me, <laughs> drop your pants. I said, what? <laughs> Excuse me? He said, drop your pants. That's what he said. Excuse me? That's what he said. I said. Oh, my goodness. He said, I made a bet. And there was a guy, high roller. I knew who the high roller was, sitting ringside. He said, I made a bet that you even press your shorts. Oh. And I used to, because I always wore I never knew on stage <laughs> if my pants were going to rip. So I wore, oh, there, I, I had these gosh. white, beautiful Sea Island cotton boxer shorts made. Uh-huh. And I pressed them. He made me drop my pants on stage to prove that I ironed my shorts. And you did it? Oh. I did it. Why do I care? Why not? Hey, you're $2,500 a show. It's crazy. No, it's so you're going to drop more than so that. funny. But that's how I met our president, Donald Trump. No way. You won't believe this one. We're at the, we're at the Resorts International. I just finished doing my half hour. The guard comes. I go to my dressing room. The guard comes back. And he said, Ivanka and Donald Trump want to come backstage and say hello to you. I said, yeah, and Donald Duck wants to see you. Get out of here. <laughs> because first of all, I did a half hour. Why would they leave the showroom? I mean, starting, go on. Mm-hmm. So I, he said, no, I'm serious. They're here. And he brings them into my dressing room. No, I only knew Donald Trump, you know, for being Donald Trump. Right. And I didn't even know his wife. I knew them from the plaza because I live right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come to me. And she's, darling, you're so good. We have an idea. I said, great, what is it? See, we're opening Trump Marina in Atlantic City, where I was, Mm -hmm. and we'd like you to be the headliner. Wow. That's what I said. Are you kidding me? (laughs) But I thought it was the Sinatra or Rickles joke. So they said, I said, are you sure? They said, no, no, we think you're ready. And with all your friends, I know you could fill the house. 
So they said, Tom Cantone was their entertainment director, and Tom Cantone will call you Monday before you leave and make the arrangements. So Who did you expect to speak to? I didn't expect to talk. To, I didn't think anybody call. I thought they were going to go back and sit in there and they, they're going to laugh at me later on, Don Rickles <laughs> or somebody, or Sinatra say, hey, I heard you're going to open. You know, they, they did these kind of practical jokes. So now Tom Cantone calls me and he introduces us up on the phone and he said, um, the Trumps really want you to open Trump Marina. We're going to open in like, I think, two months or something. I said, okay. And they said, you want, they want you to be a headliner. I said, all right. And they said, uh, what do you want? I said, what's the budget? He said, $15,000. I said, I'm in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he said, that, okay. And then I said, now I'm saying that this can't be. Mm-hmm. I said, I, you know, I, I, I came in this time by car, and I noticed you have a lot of billboards. I want the billboards. I said, okay. I said, I was living on the West Coast. I said, I'd like to come into New York because I'm only doing the weekend. I'd like to come into New York Sunday night and you set up some publicity. I'd like to stay at the plaza because I know they own it. Mm-hmm. He said, okay. And I said, in fact, you know, I really don't want to come by car. That's a long ride. <laughs> oh, my by, by the way. By the way. By no, because I, I knew they had the helicopter. Yeah. And they had the helipad. I said, I want to come by helicopter. He said, okay. And this guy just keeps okaying me. He said, now... You have a corporation I could send a contract to? Now I'm saying this guy's serious. He was. I opened Trump Marina and on my bar in this house, he sent to New York in New York City for my opening night by Hanson Carriages the invitations to my guest list because I had big players, major mm-hmm. players. And that's what they wanted. They, they could put Popeye on that stage if you had big players. Right. And I had a couple of whales. But on my um, tonight, before you leave, go to my bar here. He sent out Pat a hand engraved black velvet plated. I mean, you have to see this mm-hmm. invitation where Donald Trump and Ivana Tr- Trump invite you to the opening, the grand opening of Trump Marina, and headlining is Gianni Russo. Wow! I was so friggin' impressed. That's crazy. But now I had to build an act. I don't have an act. Well, I have yes. power. I had to do add another half hour, uh-huh. and I did it. But I mean, it was like who's who, and uh, I became a headliner, and that's how I met Donald Trump. It was so crazy. That's insane. that's how nuts my life is. Uh, how, how long did you play the marina? I, I I went a couple of times, not because I was so good. Yeah. The, my my players followed me. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's it, man. The drop was amazing. The drop meaning the win. And that's how most people don't realize it. That's why Paul Anker will constantly work. He has such a devoted crowd from Vegas. Like right now, he's at uh, the Mohegan Sun, which is ironic. The entertainment director for the Mohegan Sun now, we're spinning back 40 years, is Tom Cantone. And he just booked us, Pat. We'll, oh, we'll, wow, yeah. We'll be, I'll be at the Trump, I'll be at the Mohegan Sun April 13th for our book. I'm doing a book warming there. Wow. Uh, all right. It's so, so crazy. Wow, that's crazy. So I, what are we doing as far as, uh, we, we, how are we doing? Any more stories you want to hear? Well, I tell you, I started out asking about how did you wind up going airborne in a car with Shecky Green? Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh, that we never came back to that. Can, so Shecky, Shecky 
had a reputation of being drunk and a degenerate gambler. Okay. Which he was. And he was. So yeah. now we're at the Stardust Hotel. He loves shooting crap. He's shooting crap. And he almost got barred from Vegas because he got he lost so much money. He picked up the crap layout and threw it over. Oh my That's gosh. how strong he was. I'm talking about thousands of chips rolling all over the place. So but prior to being barred from casinos, he has a, a, a Cadillac convertible in Vegas. White Cadillac convertible. I'll never mm -hmm. forget it. And he leaves the Stardust Hotel and he says, take a ride with me to Caesar's Palace. Which I'd go check your green. He's a big star. And I, I love stars. I mean, I really do. Right. So now we're flying up the strip. And he's blowing horns and flying through. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm going to die. It was only four blocks. <laughs> <laughs> now, for the people, the Stardust and Caesar's Palace is on the same side of the street. Okay. So we they get the picture of this. We're flying up the strip. Now he has to make a right-hand turn just before Flamingo Road. Now, the original start of Caesar's Palace, you, the parking lot went down and all the fountains were there. It was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we're going so fast, he makes the right-hand turn, and we land in the fountains. Oh, my gosh. And he's there. And the guards and everybody come down, and they're banging on the window. We had the windows up at the roof down. They're banging on the windows. This is the kind of humor this guy has. He lowers the windows, and he says, hold the spray wax. <laughs> I mean, this guy is crazy. Quick, very quick. I oh, mean, my God. The guy, I mean, that's a legendary story. I don't know that's who knows that. crazy. That's crazy, but uh, Shecky Green. And it's so funny. They, they were just having coffee the uh, the other day. I have so many old friends that are still living there. Uh -huh. And they sent me a picture of him. He looks good. I think he's got to be in his 90s, though. Got to be. Really? Got to be. Well, I'll tell you who was in the picture. Pat Cooper. Cause he oh, did, he's got he's got to be ancient too. He just moved back down there, and he married a young friend girlfriend that I knew, and they got married to this lovely lady, and he's down there. And they were all together. They sent me a picture, which I couldn't believe. You know, they want to know when I'm coming back. I said I'll be. In fact, I am mean, going down there. I'll be there on uh, April 16th for our book again at the Mob Museum. How apropos, oh, they're wow. having me at the Mob Museum signing my book. That's I wild. Love it. I love it. Pat Cooper's real name is Pasquale Caputo. Yeah. And then, yeah. He was, and he was a bricklayer. I know him 100 years too. Pat, great guy. Fact, he doesn't He doesn't do his act anymore, right? No, no, he, he lost his hearing. But talking about a guy who's totally insane was this guy. Another comedian, stand-up comedian, mm -hmm. and he was barred from every hotel in Vegas because of his mouth. Oh, and I was oh, managing, I was managing uh, Dion Warwick at the time. Oh, you talking about Pat Cooper? Pat Cooper. Oh my God, yeah. he was bad. Oh, he had a bad mouth, and they kept telling him, you know, you gotta slow down, slow down, slow right. down. So I said, listen, Pat, if I get you a job opening for Dion, you can't say certain things. And the certain things were that he used to say, all these Jews run this town, what do they think they are, and all this stuff. Mm. And, oh, you can't say that. And, it's like but, no filter. No, and yeah. Caesar's Palace was, you know, Billy Weinberg, mm. everybody was Jews. I mean, it was mm -hmm. amazing. I said, Pat, please, don't do it. And they, I made the promise to them, the owners, I knew them all. 
That he wouldn't do it. That he wouldn't do it. And he did. So he comes out, but they, unbeknownst to him, I am unbeknownst to me, they had security on each side of the stage. Ready to go. If he says something, throw him off. Oh, they were just gonna take him off? So guess what he does? Opening night, he comes on stage and he does a couple of lines and he said, listen, I gotta change my act a little bit because I can't talk about these Jew bastards out on this hotel. <laughs> oh. And they came, they came, they, people thought it was part of the act. They just dragged him right, right off. off. But there was a lull because Dion wasn't ready. He was supposed to do a half hour. Oh. So the orchestra started playing music and we didn't know what to do, but it hit every headline in the world. The guy never worked again in Vegas. Wow. So he, never. he ruined That's his crazy. own career. Oh my God. But he was good for that everywhere. He was crazy. Great, but imagine opening that way. <laughs> oh, that's really bad. How are we doing with time? Did we exhaust these people yet? Yeah, we're at 50 minutes. Oh, yeah, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, I mean. So many interesting stories. As it's always. so crazy. It's crazy. Vegas, I mean, I can go on and on and on. I imagine bet. spending 30 years there. I, I had two houses there because I got married early on. So I kept her in the house. And I had her whole family move in with her because I never went home. <laughs> and then I had my own house on the golf course. <laughs> That's so crazy. That's but wild. here we are talking to all of you lovely people on the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Every Wednesday we post a new show and Megan gives her little pitch at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. Make sure you subscribe, man. If you're enjoying this, we want to stay on forever. Pat and I are very lonely. We have nothing to do. I'm over here. I'm over here eating dog food and making a lot of noise doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and God bless you all. And tune in and share the wealth. Tell the people who you're listening to every every time. Anytime you listen to it. Yeah. We need okay. your followers. I'll have a good night, guys. Hey, all of us. Thank you. God bless. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night.